Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Bob's Hicks. And Father, in our last episode, you were discussing kind of what the meaning of Catholic was and how it means universal. And the thought had been coming to me about how in the rest of society in general, when we try to do the term universal, it's almost like a race to the bottom in terms of a common denominator, which oftentimes waters something down, makes it less effective, um, and, and just generally not good. So I, I put that in pure contrast to, to the Catholic Church, where you know, Catholic being universal, where it actually does apply to each person and actually does apply in a meaningful way. You know, if, if you follow the the rules of the faith, you end up having a better life. Is it necessarily an easy life? No, because anything that's worth getting takes some work and some effort. It takes work to, to, to deny sin at the end of the day. So I wanted to use this episode to kind of highlight why, or I guess how the church has become universal and why that that is meaningful and applicable to all of us. Because when we think of other entities or religions, they kind of, many of them kind of say clustered to one geographical area and didn't spread across the world. And I have to believe that part of the universality of the faith is a reason for that. So I want to give you a chance to take over from there and guide us in the right direction. Well, we take our cue from God who came to us in Jesus Christ that all men might be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, as St. Paul says. And Jesus uh, uh, prayed also uh, that that his uh, blood would be shed for those present, the apostles, and for for many, and that many is, is understood as being universal. The church developed her universal mission early on with St. Peter being drawn to preach the gospel to uh, Cornelius, the centurion, and baptized his family as he saw the Holy Spirit fall upon them after having a dream that all foods would be made clean and all persons uh, in that sense would also be made clean and and be possible, be, be available for baptism. St. Paul developed that mission and became the apostle to the Gentiles and developed a whole theology of understanding around that. And so uh, from the origin, the church was uh, universal. Uh, of course, Jesus also in the resurrection said that uh, preach the gospel to all creatures, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he also sent them forth, go and make disciples of all nations, nations being the <clears throat> Gentiles. So that's just what, this, the, what the word Gentile means is uh, is nation. So go go and preach the the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so the universal call of Christianity uh, originates in God Himself and His desire to uh, transform everyone and uh, bring all of us to the to salvation and the knowledge of truth. And then, how did that get lived out? Uh, that, that's where we see the, the spread of Christianity immediately to the farthest reaches of the world. Uh, 
far east, uh, going all the way into China in the first centuries of the church and into India, uh, and then also into the west, spreading throughout Europe. St. Paul uh, got all the way to Spain, which was kind of the, the western boundary of the known world at that time, and, uh, and certainly down into Africa. And the gospel was brought to the, the, the farthest reaches of, of the world, minus the Americas, which were a bit far away from everything at that time, uh, requiring a bit longer ship journey and just unknown to, uh, to the people of that time. So the gospel spread to the ends of the earth and then at the same time was, was able to be enculturated in a way that could take up different languages and could uh, take up di some different customs and could incorporate all that was good into the gospel. So a simple principle is that there is nothing that is authentically human. You know, so what are things that are not authentically human? Well, like child sacrifice or, uh, or other forms of exploitation or enslavement or, um, you know, the various expressions of sin that also become enculturated in different places, uh, racism, prejudice uh, that, that destroys peoples, that treats uh, some as, as less, less uh, having a lower dignity and, and deserving of whatever greater suffering or, or exploitation than others. So uh, all that is authentically human is purified, perfected, and elevated by the gospel, by Jesus Christ, because the word became flesh. He became genuinely a human being. He is, God is, uh, Jesus is true God and true man. And so he takes on the fullness of our humanity in that sense. He's, he is not simply uh, a cultural Jew who therefore only brought the good news to the Jews, but he is genuinely human. He is a man like us. Every, every person can say that. And so he brings the gospel to everyone and, and elevates, perfects, purifies all humanity. Uh, and, and again, that can be brought into different places. So the singing hymns in English or singing hymns in Italian uh, are two different ways of enculturating the gospel uh, or in, incorporating some of the, uh, in the, in the Eastern rites, uh, some, the, the posture of standing becomes part of the sacramental language to designate reverence. Whereas in the, the West, the posture of kneeling was uh, something that was used to designate reverence before, uh, before a great figure. So you kneel before Caesar in the West, but you stand in the presence of the emperor in the East. I mean, this kind of thing, that these different postures, there are some things that are a little bit arbitrary in our humanity. The, uh, the, the sign of newness and new life in the East being green. Uh, of course, we can get that from the green grass and the, uh, the, the green life that comes forth in the spring. And that became a sign of the Holy Spirit. The, the West focused on the, the newness, the dynamism of fire and fire's capacity to, to light and to warm and, and coupled together the image of fire also drawn from the scriptures with the Holy Spirit. And so the, whole, the symbol of the Holy Spirit in the West became red. So anyway, there's, there's some variation according to different cultural foundations, but ultimately the same message and applied to the same end, which is to make everyone holy, to unite everyone with God himself. And if you think about it, it is something that is, that makes sense, but it, it's, it's also kind of, 
gives credence to the fact that there's something here. And you see how ultimately when we try to put people into groups and the categories um, based upon various different things, and there's all kinds of different ways that that happens in, in this current world. Um, some people put themselves in a group. Some people just want to label another group. But when we look at the fact that the faith isn't really about what you think or, or, or what, what you believe should be the case, it just deals with what is, you know, this is the way humans are. If you want to live your best life, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not a book about this is how you should be taxed. This is how you should treat each other. This is how you should be able to, to have a relationship with each other. And we see where, how the secular world tries to do grouping the people and the universality of what they try to use there. It involves all this other stuff that just isn't applicable to everyone. While they're trying to create an, an, an identity in a group that really the faith is, is to me the best way that I've ever seen it done because it's the only one that works. You know, you, you can have people from completely different areas. And as you said, get to the same truth, even if it's through different ways. Because at the end of the day, I mean, really what, what difference does it matter? What color is the background of the flags for the, uh, the, the signs of the spirit for confirmation, if they're on a red font or a green font, you know, that's kind of irrelevant. What is relevant is that you're going to create the courage to follow the faith and to try to fight sin as best as you can and to teach others that route. And I think that that is the, the reason is because it calls us to ultimately be better rather than going to the least common denominator and saying, well, everyone does that. So we shouldn't try to push better than it. The, the church says, no, that's not how you become holy. You have to overcome whatever that sin is. You have to resist lying. You have to not say one thing and then do another. You have to be consistent. You have to be accountable. All of that important stuff, um, that actually calls us to become better and live better lives. That ultimately is how we wish every single one of us and the people around us would live. You know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's how we wish someone would treat our kids um, it, it is, is the way of the Catholic faith. So I, I wanted to, to kind of make sure that I was on the same point of where you were getting there and not, not uh, cutting you off there. Well, and to your uh, point a little bit earlier, I mean, the, the race to the bottom, the least common denominator is ultimately aiming at uniformity rather than unity in diversity, which would be harmony. And uh, the Holy Spirit harmonizes. He doesn't make uniform. And our, our efforts to push on unity end up in, in uniformity many times. And, and the only way we can get to uniformity is... I mean, we can't really, <laughs> we, we can't get to uniformity. We, we can't have everybody with the, the same sex, the same skin color, the same uh, appearances, the same language, the same, we just can't get there without destroying everything, that race to the bottom, like you said. On the other hand, sometimes there's a push towards diversity that becomes just difference, uh, just pushing towards difference and demanding our right to be different at the, at the cost of 
of truth, just a, a, a radical individualization that everybody is absolutely different. And that's not true either. So uh, part of the, the beauty of, of, of seeing Christian faith spread throughout the world is we see there are a number of truths like the, the green or the red for the Holy Spirit. At some level is trivial, as you say, but there is a real difference between the, the bringer of life and the fire of love. And it's both. The Holy Spirit is both. And so we, we unite different things uh, in, a, in a single unity, and we have a, something more beautiful together. And, and the push toward difference, which creates division, is problematic, as if every uh, different kind is the only kind. And then uh, the push toward uniformity that destroys difference is problematic because then we reduce to a monoculture. But the, the reality we experience is the, really the beauty of difference, mutual understanding, brought together in a, a complementarity, a, a communion with each other, and, and that becomes fruitful. And the, the icon of that, the fundamental icon of that is male and female. Male and female are different. That's uh, so non-PC to say these days, but it's, it's just irrational to look at it any other way. Every man knows that every woman is different than him. And if we learn to celebrate that, there's a a captivating quality to the other who is different because there's something that I can't get except through that person. There's a way of living humanity which is alien to me in my own experience, but which I can discover and receive in the experience of a woman, which is fascinating. And a woman experiences the, the opposite of that, a way of living humanity that is alien, alien to her. And that unity in complementarity begets children. You know, that's where fruitfulness comes from. As much as we can use scientific processes to uh, manipulate those uh, natural processes, ultimately you always need a man and a woman at the end of the day in order to beget new life. It, it's only the unity and difference. Our reproductive systems, which are incomplete on their own, a masculine reproductive system is can't be completed without a female reproductive system, ultimately. And so that unity and difference is what begets new life. And so that's where we don't try to reduce men to women or women to men. We don't try. And then in a, that's the that's the icon. That's the irreducible center. But then just to elaborate that out, you know, we don't need to reduce uh, French to Italian or uh, Italian to French. We can have both. We don't need to reduce the, the different cultural expressions of humanity and, and reduce them all to one. We can have the variety that's there, but then they can be unified in one faith. And it's an amazing thing. I mean, anybody who has been to some international gatherings has experienced that beauty and in, in difference unified by a single faith. And I know when I've been to World Youth Day, I've had a, those very spontaneous experiences of, you know, I remember vividly going up an escalator in Madrid in 2011, and there was uh, an Arab man wearing a clerical shirt with a white tab, so clearly a priest, going down the escalator. I doubt we could speak each other's language, but we saw each other. He saw my habit and my beard and other things that designate me as a monk and knew that I was a Catholic priest. And I saw him as a Catholic priest and we had an immediate bond. 
And so there's something unifying about our faith, which is which is beautiful and amazing. And so we smiled and we waved at each other and we passed each other on the escalator. And and then an, I, I got into a, an, an elevator a little after that. And there were several uh, young, young adult African women. And I asked them where they were from. And they were they told me they were from uh, Ethiopia, a place I've never been to. And I said, wow, do you do you celebrate the Coptic rite? And they said, yes. And I said, wow, what do you think about our, our celebration of the mass and the Roman rite? I said, it's a little shorter than what you're used to, huh? Because daily mass in the Coptic church is about three hours. <laughs> and so coming to, uh, you know, the Pope celebrating mass, even uh, the longest mass that we ever experience, uh, you know, about an hour and a half or two hours is still uh, falling short of their normal experience. And they said, well, it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's a little short. We, uh, we just get started praying and it's over, but, uh, but it's wonderful. We love to be, you know, so we had this immediate bond. We had things that we could talk about, things that we could share of the greatest value because we share the same faith and, and the same way of celebrating that faith fundamentally in the Eucharist, although different expressions of that celebration across different cultural areas. But at the center of our faith is Jesus Christ who is God and man, who is one with us. And so we all worship the same God. And so we all come around the same altar. We all gaze on the same sacrament and, and we all love him in our own languages and personal cultural expressions and backgrounds and everything else. But we place him in the center uh, of everything and, and find unity with each other at the same time. You keep using the term celebrate and this has thought has just been in my head for last couple of days and maybe was subconsciously preparing me for this this recording the one of the great things about doing the mass is that every single time it's a renewal of of the the final supper and one of the things that i was thinking going through my life is i build things you know i walk into a house starts broken and it's a continual process of got to fix this, got to fix that, got to fix that. And then eventually it's done and you leave and you go somewhere else and you do it. But you don't get that continual you know, joy of going through it. And I'm going to take something small that I did in my own house. I have always been having a pet peeve of I don't like doors that are halfway closed or halfway open. And one of the things in Pittsburgh that old houses they tend to like kind of fall somewhere in the middle because the house is settled weird so i went out i bought like a five dollar thing five dollars worth of work to put a magnetic doorstop on they'll just keep them open all the time or all the way closed no middle ground and i was thinking about you know at the time when i did that how many years ago it gave me immediate joy that it was there and i got done but as time has gone on i just kind of accepted that that's a thing of life and then a new pet peeve kind of creeps in. And I think that the reason I'm bringing that up now is because I think that that's part of the universality and the Catholic element that we can, can keep continuing celebrating this joy at a happiness point that this is real and we keep going back to the truth of it. So therefore flaws, as you mentioned before, as terms of any issue that government's trying to push about gender um, that doesn't come into play when you're continually going back and experiencing the joy of what this is all about. And you guys being priests and in, in religious life in general have learned that skill 
of how to truly be joyful. And in a sense, this might be the, the way, the adult way of saying, look at everything and through the eyes of a child that you can have the same story over and over again and still find joy and pleasure from it and not be just looking to the next problem to fix or the next thing on the schedule. And I wanted to point that out because I think that that's an important skill that is kind of not normally brought up, but I think it's kind of like the mortar to this brick wall in some sense. Um, as firms that we can continually celebrate Jesus because of his teachings and we don't just go, okay, I'm done with that time to read a new book. So I want to give you a chance to, to respond to that as we're kind of concluding to today's episode. Well, and just to contrast the, uh, Holy mass with, uh, magnetic door holders, uh, the Holy mass is infinitely deep and Jesus Christ is infinitely deep and uh, our faith is infinitely deep and so um, you can fairly well exhaust a magnetic doorstop which i think is a really cool idea i'm glad that you did that i don't know why nobody else thought of that that's brilliant um and but but it's you know a fairly limited once you get the concept you go oh okay good um, let's just do that and there isn't really an infinite depth that's there to explore which which there is in in humanity in in general there's a, we we open up into the infinite because god dwells within us and we're made in his image and likeness so in that sense there's something that is uh, boundless there that we can go into but but certainly the mystery of god himself i mean we can't ever just sort of ho hum get over the fact that uh God gives us his entire self in the Eucharist. Uh, it's, it's all of eternity uh, contained in, in that chalice, in that host. And so there's something that we need to keep coming back to again and again. We only get a facet at a time. We just get a drop at a time. And there's, there are oceans and oceans of, uh, of depths to, uh, to explore there. So the things that are of greater value, we can re repeat, we can return to again and again. And that's a, a just a basic principle. The things that are of uh, less value, we, you know, it's sort of like you can watch the same movie a number of times. Now, there comes a point of diminishing returns and the richer the movie, the deeper the meaning, you know, the farther away that point of diminishing returns is. But ultimately, mo movies are bringing us something, well, predominantly finite. I mean, sometimes opening up into infinite values. And so we were able to appreciate them at a deeper level as we grow uh, throughout life. But, but for the most part, you know, we exhaust the meaning of those finite things. We never exhaust the meaning of uh, the truth conveyed by Christ or his presence that we celebrate in the Eucharist. And I think that's the, the best way to put it there in that there's never a end point. There, there's never a, a, we can, we got this. And, and just as you say that, it just kind of brings so many more questions that come up. And I guess that's, that was one of the things that, that I had in the back of my mind when I didn't understand that beginning, like, how are we going to get to, to 50 episodes? And now we've, we've crossed over 200 and it, it seems like every single time I'm, I'm at mass, like comes up with 10 other things for me to talk about. And I have a checklist that's pretty long right here. So, uh, so with that being said, we thank everyone for, uh, for listening here today. We will continue to, to go through our, our episodes and we will be with you again next week.